Let's turn to Romans chapter 10, Romans chapter 10, and uh, let's see, we have that microphone, brother, you got it, okay, all right, so Romans chapter 10, and uh, we'll try to finish up this lesson we started last week, and uh, just a thought why we're, why we're reading this and starting out here, if I'd like to hear some uh, soul winning stories, we're talking about soul winning. So if you have a good soul winning story to share, that'd be a blessing. Romans chapter 10, verses 12 through 17. <clears throat> Romans 10, beginning of verse 12, says this. For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich and to all that call upon him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how should they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? Well, that's what that song, Here My Lord Sent Me. As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah saith, The Lord, Lord who hath believed our report. So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. Let's pray again. Father, again, Lord, we thank you for your goodness and mercy and grace. Lord, thank you for these good songs uh, that we just uh, uh, sang. Dear God, we want uh, you to get uh, glory in our life. Lord, we always want to be willing to go uh, where you'd have us to go and do what you'd have us to do. So Lord, let us have that, that heart, dear God, uh, for you and uh, your will in our life. Lord, thank you for each one that's listening. Thank you for each one that's here. And again, Lord, if by chance somebody's not saved, work in that heart. And Lord, those of us that are saved, dear God, may we ever uh, seek to draw closer to you. Lord, you know the needs, Lord, the physical needs. Again, we think of uh, Brother McLean and others tonight. Lord, please help the physical needs, the emotional needs, the spiritual. And Lord, decisions people are trying to make concerning a job, concerning a school, concerning relationships or other uh, uh, important things in their life, dear God. Lord, uh, uh, you're the dot connector. Lord, you're the director. And uh, Lord, we want to be sensitive to your leadership in our life. Lord, we, according to the guiding of the Holy Spirit, according to the guidance of the Word of God, Lord, we want to live. Now, Lord, as we look at this thought tonight, help us a desire uh, to be soul winners, to be sowers of the seed and get out the gospel. God, our prayer is that you would give the increase and glorify yourself and build your local church. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. And so, uh, again, we began a lesson last week on common excuses people give for not believing the gospel. And we'll do a little review. All right, so soul winners often hear excuses uh, when they witness the people for not believing the gospel from those they are trying to win to Christ. So here are some of the ones we looked at last week. One, I'm too great a sinner. I will not be accepted. I'm too great a sinner. Many people's lives are so filled with wickedness, they are enslaved by sin. When they compare themselves to normal people, they believe they've gone too far beyond redemption. But of course, the Bible gives us verses to show, right, that they can still come to Christ. And so uh, we went over several verses uh, concerning that, uh, 1 Timothy 1.15, Isaiah 1.18, and some others. And then uh, we, another excuse was, I've committed the unpardonable sin. And again, most people don't even know what that is, let alone uh, 
uh, have they have they done it? But of course, it's uh, you know uh, blasphemy against the Holy Ghost. But of course, the the main sin is unbelief, never accepting Jesus Christ. Right? John uh, three eighteen. They are condemned already because they have not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Everybody knows John three sixteen. But John three eighteen is one I think one of the best uh, verses uh, in the New Testament. So they think they've committed the impartable sin. We need to try and say, well, what, what, do, you, what do you think that is? And, of course, uh, take them to Matthew 12 and give them the context of what that is and show them that chances are they probably haven't, uh, probably haven't done that. Another excuse we looked at is I must become better before I can be a Christian. And, of course, we know that that's impossible. Many lost people believe they must give up some bad habit or quit some sin before they can be saved. So it's important to show them they can never clean up their lives sufficiently to please God, and they can and must come to Christ as they are. Aren't you glad that God, like we talked about this morning, met you where you were in life? Uh, next one we looked at was, I cannot give up sins. Well, listen, you got to be, you got to realize you're a sinner, and you got to want to uh, uh, turn, uh, turn from that sin, right? You have to, you have to uh, realize that. I mean. Jesus Christ always dealt with sin. He always dealt with sin. Always. And so, uh, you know, I mean, you know, even in the Old Testament, they had to realize that. I mean, you know, when they, when they brought that, that, that uh, sacrifice to the, the temple, you know, people say, well, listen, what were they doing? By bringing it there, they were acknowledging they, they were a sinner because they wouldn't have brought it. If they were thought they're okay, well, I have no need for me to go to the temple, I'm fine. No, <laughs> they did it because they realized they were a sinner. That's why they brought it in the first place. So, I have to get sidetracked there, but realize that they have to deal with sin. Deal with sin, important. So, and that Christ, then show them that Christ can set them free from that sin. Like James mentioned, right? He, listen, uh, he'll, he'll deliver you from that sin, He'll forgive you of that sin, then he'll deliver you from the power of it in your life. And then another one is, I'm afraid I shall fail. I cannot hold out. Just look at him and say, you know what? You're right. <laughs> you can't, right? You don't have to hold out. You know why? Because he's holding you in. That's what you tell him. You don't have to hold out because he's holding you in. Hey, man, I'm not hanging in there, right? How you doing? I'm hanging in there. Well, sorry. I just want to let you know I'm not hanging in there, amen. I'm not hanging in there. I'm being held in there, amen, by the grace of God. So another one, I cannot live the Christian life. Hey, you know what? You're right again. You can't live the Christian life. But Christ can live it through you, right? Reckon yourselves dead. He can live the Christian life through you. He can put it this way. He can be himself through you, all right? That's what you're doing. Just let Christ be himself through you. Here's another one. I will have to give up too much. Oh, no, uh-uh. You can't. I will have to give up too much. Well, then you've got the wrong perspective. Some people fear they will have to give up their lifestyle, their job, or things like that. Well, listen, if you truly understand who Christ is and accept him, all those things that were important to you, as Paul said, all those things became what? Like dung to me. They didn't, they didn't, they didn't mean anything if you get the proper perspective, right? I'll have to give up too much. No, Christ is the only one, amen, that gave up so much. He wants to give you so much. I will lose my friends. Listen, I didn't have to give up one of my friends when I got saved. 
didn't have to give one of them up. You know why? Because they gave me up, right? We talked about that. And then I will be persecuted. I will be persecuted. Fear of what others may say or do. Ridicule is often a stumbling block. Use, then we talked about scriptures uh, concerning that. But again, you know, don't, don't try to, uh, you know, uh, soften the Christian life. Sure, as I said before, the Christian life is not an easy life, but it's the best life. Just be straightforward with them. Listen, you know, uh, there's nothing that you have in your life or nothing that's worth holding to that's worth dying in your sin for. That's worth dying in your sin for. All right, let's, uh, let's uh, look at these uh, other ones. Anybody have any uh, uh, thoughts, about, thoughts about those or any questions about those? All right, let's look at these others. The next one is, I have no feeling feeling, you know. We live in a touchy-feely society. Many want to feel or experience something rather than simply believe. No, don't go by your feelings, right? It's believe. This is extremely dangerous because the devil is well able to provide just about any experience being sought. The sad thing today is that many are basing their hopes for eternal salvation on some feeling or religious experience, rather than on the truth of the Word of God and in the finished work of Christ. Listen, whether I feel like I'm saved or not, I'm saved, amen? Not because I feel like it today, right? But because based on the Word of God, Christ said, if you do uh, this, I'll save you. You know what? I did it, amen? As, but as many as receive them to them, right? To them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believed on his name, right? What'd you do? One day I, I repented of my sin and I believed on his name. And you know what? That day he gave me the power to become the son of God, to become the son of God. I became a child of God. So remember, true salvation, here's a good way to look at it. Don't go by feelings. True salvation is settled on facts, right? The facts of the word of God. It's secured by faith, that faith that comes from the Word of God. We just read it, Romans 10, 17. So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. And then it's sequeled by feelings. So you can look about this. You got the right facts, the right faith, and then, amen, once you believe, the right feelings will follow. So, hey, the right facts, the right faith, and then the right feelings will follow. Don't go by the feelings beforehand. Just know that if you make the right decision based upon the right facts, right, which is the Word of God, which will give you the right faith, then after you make that decision and step away from it, you'll realize, hey, I made a right decision based upon the Word of God, and the right feelings will follow. Hey, I'm not sure how I felt before I got saved, but I remember how I felt after I got saved, amen? And it was a lot better. They're looking for some, some emotion, right? You know, or even 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 the other way, you know, they think they have to have some great sorrow for sin or they have to have some heavy weight upon them. Hey, if you do, I think that's good. Hey, uh, great. Nothing wrong with good Holy Ghost conviction, as we call it. But remember this. Right. God requires repentance. Right. But not necessarily remorse, if you will, in the sense of some emotion. Right. The Bible says, Isaiah 55, 7, let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts and let him return unto the Lord and he will have mercy on him and to our God for he will abundantly, abundantly pardon. 
abundantly pardoned. If one being dealt with does not feel lost, use scriptures which plainly declare the fact of his condition. Listen, you don't have to feel lost, but you do have to understand that you are lost, whether you feel like it or not. Right? Whether you feel lost or not, you just need to look at the Word of God, and it says you're a sinner. It says you're lost without hope. Amen? And you need Jesus Christ. Right? As, as Sergeant Friday said, just the facts, man. Just the facts, right? <laughs> just believe the facts of the Word of God. Don't wait for some emotion. There may be emotion during uh, repentance or believing, but repentance is not about emotion. It's about turning to God from your sin. So don't get caught up in the feelings of it. Uh, here's another one. Of course, you hear this all the time. I see too many Christian hypocrites. You know, I, I tell people what, you don't want to go to church with them when well, you go shopping with them. You go to work with them. You go everywhere else with them. And why not come to the one place where you can get help with them? Amen. Uh, 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 the church. Right. Listen, uh, uh, listen. Uh, you'd much rather uh, do that. Regrettably, many professing Christians have a poor testimony, which is sad, but instead of them being a stepping stone, they become a stumbling block. Sinners will readily point to the inconsistent and hypocritical lives of churchgoers as an excuse for not trusting Christ. I say, well, then why don't you get saved and show them how it's done, <laughs> right? Why don't you just get saved and show them how it's done? Let me give you a, a couple uh, verses uh, dealing a couple of verses dealing with that. Romans 14, 12. So then every one of us shall give an account of himself to God. Sir, that, if that if that man is professing to be something he's not and he's he's well, he'll deal with God about that. But here's the thing. He'll have to deal with God about his life. But you need to realize one day you're going to face God about your life. So don't let that man's life. He'll answer God for that. Amen. Hinder you from doing the right thing in your life, right? Are you going to stop driving because you see somebody run a red light? <laughs> you know, are you going to stop, are you going to stop uh, uh, driving because you see uh, some guy being pulled over by a cop? Well, look at that. Look at that. Look at that driving hypocrite, right? Right? Look at that. Drive, look at that. That guy, that guy, <laughs> he went right through that yield sign. He turned to right. That sign right there says, don't turn right. Why that driving hypocrite? I'm going to go home and never drive again. Huh? You ever hear anybody say that? Those driving hypocrites, man, they act like they're good drivers going down the road in the car. All of a sudden they run a red light. As a matter of fact, I did. <laughs> I was with brother. Oh, brother. What says I did it twice? Oh, my goodness. Well, hopefully I'm not a Christian hypocrite. I'm just a driving hypocrite. Sorry about that. Don't, don't. So brother Wood, Yeah, that's why, you know, I think somebody drove him to church today. He quit driving because of that. But uh, right. But, you know, in it, but, but here's what's funny. The, the things that people use in the religious realm for excuses, if you put them in any other realm, they just sound so stupid. Like you said, that driving hypocrite. Why don't you drive anymore? Oh, man, I saw a guy do this the other day and I said, I'm never going to drive again. Those nothing but hypocrites in those cars. It sounds funny when you do it that way. Right. But then you put it here. Somehow it makes sense. You know, hey, I think I'll die in my sin and go to hell. So I don't have to be around those hypocrites. Well, doesn't that sound smart? Well, you need to explain those things to him. Another uh, uh, verse, Romans 2, 1 through 3 says, Therefore thou art inexcusable, O man, whosoever thou art that judgest. For when thou judgest another, thou condemnest thyself, for thou that judgest doest the same things. Right? But we are sure that the judgment of God is according to the truth against them which commit such things. And thinkest thou this, O man, that judgest them which do such things and doest the same, that thou shalt escape the judgment of God? Hey, listen, sir, either way, you're going to stand before God. 
But I'd rather stand before God and go to the right place than stand before God and end up in the wrong place. So uh, dealing with things about that. Anybody have something they say to people when they use that excuse? Anybody got a good thing they use? Yes, Brother Joseph. Yeah, yep, 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 right. Oh, I don't understand the Bible. Well, explain to them why they don't understand the Bible, right? 1 Corinthians 2.14, But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them, because these things are spiritually discerned. Oh, well, you can't understand the Bible? Well, would you like to understand the Bible? Well, the only way to understand it is to get saved. You see, before you get saved, you're spiritually dead. You have to be spiritually alive to understand spiritual things. And the only way to become spiritually alive is to be saved, right? You have he quickened who were dead in trespass and sin, right? That word quickened means made spiritually alive. See, God gave you a soul. That's what I tell you. God gave you a soul. That soul's lost. And then he gave you a spirit so you could communicate with the spiritual world, but it's dead, Right. And then he gave you a body to live in this physical world. So you that spiritual that spirit needs to be made alive so that you can communicate with the God. Right. In spirit and truth, but requires salvation and a lot of good verses there. So explain to them why they can't understand the word of God. Ephesians 4.18, having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. 2 Corinthians 4.3, but if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. So get saved, become spiritually alive, and now you begin to grow in spiritual things. As babes in Christ desire the assembly of the word, you can begin to grow. Show them how this can and will be Change once they once they get saved, they can begin to understand the truth. And then I'm not that bad of a person. I'm not that bad a person. Is there anybody here that wasn't that bad of a person that got saved? I remember uh, I hadn't been saved that long, and I was doing some work at the church, and I was working with a guy, and we were sharing our testimony. And he just said, "Well, you know, I was always a pretty good guy. I never did things like that." I said, "Yeah, but we both had to get saved, didn't we?" So even though I might have done worse things, you're just as sorry as I was, so, you know, just to let you know, amen. You had to get saved, too. That's always an encouragement to people when you talk to them like that. Amen. Many trust their own righteousness, and righteous acts will be good enough to get them to heaven. People who express this false hope are not under conviction of sin and desperately need to see themselves as God sees them, right? That's why I was trying to explain, even though we talk about sins, people really need to understand you, people don't need to get saved because of what they've done, right? People don't need to get saved because of what that. Listen, uh, because you went out and got drunk last night, that's not why you need to be saved, right? Because you went out and robbed someplace last night, that's not why you need to be saved, right? You don't have to get saved because of what you've done. You need to get saved because of what you are. Right. Why did you go out and get drunk last night? Because of what you are. Why did you go out and steal last night? Because of what you are. What you do just verifies what you are. And so you need to get saved from what you are. And when you get saved from what you are, you're at the same time, you're forgiven for what you did. <laughs> so really, it's not about being forgiven for what you did. It's about being saved from what you are. And once you're saved from what you are, God's so good at the same time, he, through his blood, he forgives you 
for what you did. But a lot of times we get caught up on the sin factor and we don't need to get tri- sidetracked by the sin factor. We need, to get, we need to be focused on the sinner factor. That's what you are. Now, we might say things about sin because that verifies, right, what you are, right? Just like we say about a dog. It's not a dog because it barks. It barks because it's a dog. You didn't do that. Doing that didn't make you a sinner. Stealing didn't make you a sinner. Doing drugs didn't make you a sinner, right? All those things you did didn't make you a sinner. They just verified that that's what you are, that that's how you came into the world. And it verifies that's why you need to be saved from what you are. Are. And then once you get saved from what you are, you're forgiven for what you did. Now what, those things don't have power over you in your life. Now you don't have to go out and get drunk anymore. You don't have to sit, uh, go out and steal or whatever. Amen. And uh, you don't have to think that you're good anymore. Amen. You can admit you were sorry from the beginning, but now you can be a, a, a Christian through Jesus Christ. So uh, remember that I'm not a bad person. Well, well, I'm not going to argue whether you're a bad person, but here's the thing. You are a lost soul. (laughs) You are a lost soul. That's the reality uh, from the word of God. So it said Romans 2.16, in the day when God shall judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ. Oh, you've never stole? No, that's okay. You've never got drunk? Well, that's okay. But you've had secret thoughts that you wouldn't tell me right now. I guarantee you that. Listen, uh, now, I'm not going to ask, would anybody be willing to stand up and tell the worst thing they've ever done? I learned that lesson years ago when I pastored in Germany. I asked that, and a guy stood up, and I said, no, he did not just do that. I'm not going to tell you what he said. But <laughs> I said, boy, he just blew that illustration that I'll never use it again. But so, listen, there's plenty to prove that it's not whether you're a bad person or it's a good person. It's about that you're a lost soul. You came in this world as a dead spirit, a lost soul, and then a body, amen, that was heading towards death. And God saves you from all things. He saves your soul. He quickens your spirit. And then one day he's going to give you a new body. And then this one, God is too good to condemn anyone to hell. Listen, you condemned yourself to hell. God didn't condemn you to hell. You condemned yourself by not believing on Jesus Christ. You condemned yourself. You're condemned already because you have not believed in the name of the begotten Son of God. So if you go to hell, don't say God didn't condemn you there. You're right. He is. <laughs> he didn't condemn you to hell. You, in your sin and rejection of Jesus Christ, condemn you to hell. Don't blame God. Don't blame God because you rejected the, the finished work of Jesus Christ. Don't blame God because you chose uh, your wickedness over God's grace and love and mercy. Don't blame God for that. Blame yourself. God's done everything he can to save you and change your life. So in this case, it's best to use scriptures which speak of the holiness and righteousness of God, right? Because above all, God is holy, together with the fact of eternal judgment.